Hello and welcome back to Execute. You guys have asked some really great questions this month. Seriously, each one I could do an entire episode on. So as ever, I'm going to try and provide you with incredibly potent, valuable, useful responses that keep you in motion. And I'm also going to set myself the challenge of providing those responses in the most time efficient way possible because I nor you want a, a five hour podcast, but I just really want to, to say that these, these questions are fantastic. I have got one, two, three, four, five great questions to answer. So let's jump right in and we'll see where we get to. So the first question that I'm answering is about paid lead gen versus organic lead gen. So the question is, I've been posting on social media, I've been updating my website, the only leads I seem to be generating are agencies that want to put me in touch with potential clients. So Bark, a company called Fragnan Services, I'm a bit skeptical about these companies, especially when they've approached me. I know you've mentioned Bark in previous sessions, but what about Fregnan? I would rather have clients approach me directly. So what can I do that will appeal more to clients and not marketing agencies? Okay, few things I want to say to this. One is that we can absolutely use marketing agencies or lead generation services when it serves us to do so. We don't want to see these lead gen opportunities as the enemy or not something that we can work with because we absolutely can but before we go into any kind of paid lead gen whether that's bark fragment services who honestly i didn't know at all until you mentioned them i'd never heard of them i've never had a client mention them to me it kind of doesn't matter it could be house it could be facebook ads it could be paid um paid subscription to LinkedIn. There are so many ways that you can pay to amplify your presence online. And where, where I want you to start is with who is my ideal client? Who are they? Where are they? Where do I need to be visible to be in front of them? That is the first thing. The second thing is what is the messaging that's going to resonate with them? Because there's no point in amplifying our visibility and paying to be more visible if more people are seeing us and just going, yeah, no, not, not really my thing, doesn't make any difference to me, doesn't make me feel anything, doesn't inspire me to take action. And then the third part of it is how you are directing them to take the next step. So we need to have those three bits of the puzzle in place. Think back to the work we did in Aligned for Growth. Differentiate, attract, direct. That Mike Michalowicz model I gave you. We really need to understand who our client is and where they are so that we can be visible, but in a way that has them going, oh, oh, okay, that's interesting. Maybe they can help me. That's caught my eye. We need messaging that has them going, they get me. That is absolutely the person for me. They understand what I'm challenged by. They understand the problem I've got. They understand what I want. And then we want to have that clear next step. So they are being directed. This is how you can work with me. We need to have those things in place before we start paying for lead gen. Paid lead gen can work brilliantly, but it will never compensate for a poorly defined niche vague messaging or an unclear call to action. 
So we have to get those things dialed in. We want to have those things super aligned and tested before we start putting additional money into lead gen. Now, that said, when you know those things, you've got those things locked down, when you're paying for lead gen, it can be a huge and very important part of your strategy. Instagram ads are the biggest part of my marketing strategy, but I have done a lot of work to really test that the ad I'm running is going directly to the clients who I am here to serve. And I know that the messaging resonates and I know from tracking all of the data that I have in front of me that enough people are seeing my ad and going, yep, I want to take the next step. I want to watch, and in my case, it's a free masterclass on um, how Katie can tell me more about how to grow my business. So I know that those parts of the, the approach, my ad approach is working. I wouldn't be putting any money or any more money into it if I didn't know that thing, those things were working. So it's a long way of coming back to your question, which is don't think that these agencies or these services can't help you. They may help you, but we really want to know that more about them and are they going to be bringing the right kind of clients to you? If Bark is going to get you in front of your ideal client, then this is potentially an avenue worth exploring. But you really need to know, is that the case? Are they someone who is going to be connecting with me with my ideal client? My feedback generally, I've never used Bark personally. A lot of designers I know do. The general feedback I get is that it tends to be on the low budget side, but that you will absolutely get inquiries through it. So it is worth looking into, it's worth testing, but I really want you to look at your own messaging and how that is already working for you before starting to spend money on something if we don't know that it's actually working. The other thing I would say is don't commit to anything long term until you can see a clear return on investment. I don't know about Bark, but House certainly will try and lock you into a 12 month contract. I have designers coming to me often after three, four months saying this is a complete waste of money. I'm trying to back out of my contract. So you, we really want to be clear that you know, Facebook ads, as I run, you can literally just stop spending money from one day to the next. So we really want to understand that we've got that flexibility if we are going down the paid route and that we can see that return on investment. And that's not just about a financial return on investment. Yes, obviously we want clients who are here to, to spend money, but we want to know we're attracting the right kinds of clients, the kinds of projects and the kinds of budgets we work with. So we really need to be looking at the ways that we can get in front of those kinds of people, paid or unpaid, and knowing that's where I'm going to spend money, that's where I can see it's worth my while investing some of my time. Just some things to, to think about, you know, because you've asked, how can I do more of this going direct to clients? There are so many things that I encourage you to be doing for your business that you can do completely for free. Claim your business on Google, gather reviews there, set up a profile on house. You don't have to actually go in for their paid lead gen, but be gathering reviews there. Content marketing, that can be, you've mentioned Instagram, but it could be LinkedIn. TikTok is a fantastic search engine. Blog posts with keywords, 
collaborations with local businesses or uh, mentioning key areas within your area, you can go pretty granular with your blog post so that people are actually finding you and thinking, how can I repurpose? If I'm writing a blog post, how can I put that then on Instagram? Or how can I create that as something that I'm going to use on LinkedIn? You've mentioned your website, so I would want to make sure that the SEO was completely dialed in for that. Networking is a is a big one. So what networks can you tap into that and you can absolutely pay to join actual networking clubs, but there will be other networks building relationships with architects, contractors, kitchen designers, joiners, estate agents, property search agents, all sorts of relationship building journalists as well, local press, magazines, tagging suppliers on Instagram so that they then share in their stories and you gain more visibility that way. Using hashtags, using location tags, emailing out to everybody in your network, letting them know what you do, who you serve and how they can work with you or how they can recommend you to somebody who could benefit from your services. So there are so many things that we can be doing and before all of it, we just want to make sure that we are crystal clear on who we're for and that before we set off on this journey of everything I've mentioned could take a huge amount of time. So we want to get clear on where to spend our time to have the maximum benefit, that it's genuinely going to get us in front of the right kinds of people, the right kinds of clients. So let me know how it goes. There is so much that you can be doing for free, but I also want you to consider that when you know that the free stuff is working, it can be very helpful to look at paid advertising to just amplify what you're doing. So keep it in mind and see whether the people who you have mentioned are people you could work with and who could support you and just do your due, due diligence in that respect. Okay, let me move on to the next question. So this is a question, interesting, as we've just been talking about, about content creation. So Katie, you are so prolific on Instagram. <laughs> Your content is really engaging. Thank you. Can I ask what templates you use? Do you use Canva and how much time do you allocate to posting? Okay, I'm going to give you a kind of mini insight into my content strategy, which is evolving, to be honest. You just grab a drink of water. So content creation is a massive, massive, massive part of what I do. And it's partly because I genuinely love it. I love writing. I love creating. I love getting my ideas, whether that's written or in video format, out into the world. I genuinely love it. But there are so many places in which I could be visible and it could be incredibly time consuming. So I'm trying to be super, super efficient with it. So I organize my content into what I would call pillars around the really the programs and the services and the offerings that I have. So anything that is around customer journey, service creation, marketing, selling, a lot, making your business feel super aligned and something that you love and want to work in and that genuinely feels freeing and gives you the flexibility you want. Any kind of content around that, that is a natural lead in to align for growth. 
So what I'm sharing with you now is that I'm never creating content just to kind of talk away. It always has a purpose. So anything in that area is a lead into Align for Growth. Anything around money mindset, pricing, managing money inside your business, creating more profit, financial freedom, all of that is a lead in to the charge because that's what we cover inside that program. So there are areas in which I talk about and things I um, are known for talking about, but they are always leading into one of my programs. Or if it's a broader theme of feeling more empowered inside your business, really tuning into your intuition, learning to step up your leadership, whether that's yourself, your team, a combination of both, really making important shifts inside your business that you want to make fast and with the support of somebody walking with you in a very close way as you do it, that's one-to-one. So you can see I talk about all of these things, but they're always about then this is how I will do one of these things. This is why it's important to me. This is my take on this subject or this topic. And then this is how I can help you with the same issue, problem, topic inside your business. So that is my broad approach to content. I'm not just creating it for the sake of creating it. I'm not a content creator. I'm not here just to entertain people. This is very much about bringing awareness to my vibe, my thoughts, my approach, my perspective, and how that can help you in your business. I will spend probably about one hour on Instagram, 30 minutes to an hour on Instagram a day, because that is my main platform. Or I say on Instagram, on social, because that is a really important platform for me. So whatever I am creating, and I create in different ways. So stories are often just done on the fly. But if I'm in front of my laptop, and I know what I want to talk about, I'll write out the sequence. Often the, the spark of the idea will just come to me, it will be something that I realize I want to talk about, something's caught my my eye caught my interest. And then I think through what is the sequence? What's the idea? What's the thought? What am I saying and why is this relevant to my audience or to the work that I do? So I just jot that out and then I can put that into stories. And if I do it in that way, written on my laptop, then that that thing I've written will immediately get picked up and put into my bigger content database, which holds pretty much everything I've written. So if I ever want to find anything again, I can just go into that database. I can search for alignment and I will find everything I've written about that or pricing and I'll find everything I've written about that. And I am two and a half coming up to three years into running this business. So I have a lot of content. And now what I spend a lot of time doing is looking at what has resonated what has been most popular in terms of comments, in terms of engagements, in terms of driving sales. And then I look at how I can repurpose it. So I will often turn a reel that performed really well into a carousel or an email that got great engagement will get chopped up and turned into different posts. There's a lot of content there and I'm really now getting mileage out of it. Whilst at the same time, the things that I see and the things that I think are always evolving and probably the things that I am happy to say and talk about now 
are maybe a bit different from what I might have said two years ago. I was probably a bit more cautious, <laughs> probably a bit nicer about the things that I would say, whereas now I think I'm not helping anybody if I'm not being really vocal in saying the things that I do see and calling you forward into your intuition, your power, taking action where you might have been stalling or procrastinating. When I can see that, I'm going to say it. So whilst I am very much about getting as much mileage as possible out of content, I'm always also pushing myself to make sure that my content is evolving as I'm evolving with as a coach and as somebody who is experienced in their business and in coaching people and the things that I I see and then yes I use Canva I use Canva a huge amount so to do all of my posts my reel covers all of the slides anything really you see we do all of the assets inside programs all of that is done inside Canva and I have the paid version but you can do so much inside the free version so yeah that is a a little insight I'm really happy to talk more about this because content creation is important it's important for all of us what we cannot get into is oh I've done a post and then disappear for three months I had a client say to me um, not that long ago oh somebody said they thought I thought you'd disappeared because they hadn't posted at all and we want to we want to find a cadence that works for us, but we definitely don't want our audience thinking that we've just disappeared or given up or stopped working in our businesses. And being smart about your content creation is going to be a big part of that. But I'm also a huge believer in finding your flow, finding what works for you so that having an idea, writing out that content, creating that post becomes quick. You cannot spend three, four hours creating a carousel or writing an email. That's just not an efficient way to run a business. So I really want you to be asking yourself, how can I be faster at this? How can I speed up my ideas, the way I'm writing? Where do I write fast? Where do my thoughts flow? Can I, once I've done the writing, can I outsource the creation of the graphics, for example? There are always different ways of doing it. So I would be asking yourself those questions as well as, um, yeah, simply, how do I want to do this? And just to your point about your content is really engaging. It's engaging because I know my ideal client. I know this industry inside out, but I spend so much time talking to, listening to, really understanding my clients and what they are struggling with. And that is your job as well as a service provider is to really understand on a psychological level, your clients, what they're challenged by, what they, they'll tell you one thing, I need more storage or I want my kitchen design, but below that is so much more emotion and fear and desire. And it's your job to understand that. That's how you create content that resonates, that really has people saying to you, it's like you were in my head, it's like you really understand me. And that is the kind of content that moves people to want to work with you. So it is a huge amount about connection, understanding another human and taking the time to listen and learn and really understand what your clients are about. Okay, next question. This question is about 
customer journey. So the question is, the templates you have supplied as part of AFG have been invaluable. I'm so pleased, um, especially when personalized to each project. Can you go over again the point at which you issue each document? I feel that the contract is quite formal or legal. I'm not sure it's necessary for smaller projects. Also, how do I politely but firmly stand my ground when a client comes back to my fee and asks for a discount or says it's too expensive? Okay, let me talk about the customer journey. On the fee, we talk about this in the charge. In I have an entire module inside the charge which is dedicated to you standing in your power, how you deal with that part in the sales process when a client says, can I have a discount or this is too expensive. This deserves an entire, the, this whole topic of pricing deserves its own program and this topic itself has an entire module basically. So I'm gonna park that one and say, I would love to invite you to join me in there if this is something that you feel ready to explore is this area of really just standing in your power around talking about money with clients, holding your ground with fees, how you can use discounts to your advantage, how to deal with a discount request when you do not want to offer one, all of that we deal with inside the charge. So let me come back to the question about the issuing of each document. So for, just to be clear, I've not given you any TNCs, so I've not given you any contract. So I don't know what contract you're using. I don't supply one, but I absolutely recommend that you do have one. And even for a small project, for a small service, have TNCs. They're there to protect you. So be asking. You would find out if I, and I have run in the past, a $50, £50 masterclass, there was still a set of terms and conditions attached to that about what you're buying, what your access is, what you can expect, what I'm there to deliver, and so on. So whatever I'm selling, I will always, always have terms and conditions, which I don't supply, but I recommend that you have in place. So just to walk you through the, the process, when you receive a new inquiry, however that inquiry comes, whether it's an email, whether it's through your website, whether it's a DM on Instagram, you want to be qualifying them. So that's where you're asking the questions that's going to allow you to understand, is this something that I'm prepared to, to get on a phone call with this person. You may have a process which I currently have in place right now, but probably won't have for too much longer, which is that somebody can book a call on my calendar without me doing that qualifying, but they answer the questions at the time of booking the call. So you can have that process where somebody books a, a discovery call with you and they answer a load of questions. What I always, always do is look at those questions ahead of the call. And if there are red flags for me, so an obvious one for me is that somebody who can't provide something that tells me that they are actually the owner of an interior design business, will either reach out to them and say, can you provide a bit more context, a bit more information? And then what they send back informs whether the call goes ahead or if they've just written something that we're just really certain that this is not the right vibe or we've looked up their Instagram and we know that they're not the right fit, they're in the wrong area, we just don't do the call. So there's always that element of qualifying in place wherever your inquiry comes from.
once you've done that and you've done that qualifying and then you've gone through that process of whether it's a call, maybe you include a site visit, depends completely on the service. If it's a smaller service, then there still needs to be that element of building trust before you're actually selling the service. So it's not just, here's the link, (laughs) you can buy it. There has to be that nurturing, but that can be done through your stories, through your marketing. If you have a very, very small service, let's say you were running an event, for example, all of your marketing could have been done at scale on Instagram. So then if somebody made an inquiry for that, you can just say, here's the link and they can buy it. If it was a slightly larger service, let's say a color consultation or a furniture plan or something that involves It's a more standardized service, it's a fixed price, but there's going to be a bespoke element to the work that whatever you produce will be specific to them. I would expect there to be some degree of back and forth communication before you're just saying, here's the link you can sign up. But once you've done that, talking about the service, discussing it with them, making sure it's a great fit for them, that they don't need something bigger, that you can definitely deliver against the problem that they have and that your service is going to solve it, then it would be a case of here is the here's the link and I would absolutely have terms and conditions attached to that payment link. For something smaller like that, where it might be a four-figure service, anywhere between a thousand and let's say five thousand, where it's a fixed price for a specific service, I would be sending a, an online payment link with terms and conditions attached to it. So it's not lots of Word documents attached to email. It's not something that requires them to sign a contract for a fixed price service. We want to be really efficient with that. But I would still expect that there may be an element of answering questions and engagement before somebody's going to be ready to hit payment and put in their card details and and check out. Or your marketing is going to be doing a lot of the heavy lifting. So I'll give you an example. On Black Friday, I ran a special, I ran a couple of special offers. One was 30 days of one-to-one with me and one was around just taking the Align for Growth modules and accessing that as a standalone course without any of the calls or any of the other closer coaching or access. Both of those were a four-figure investment, low four figures. But, and I didn't get into, I think I had a couple of DMs about, will would this be right for me? What do you think? And answered a few questions, but the majority of my energy for the selling was going on stories. I'd announced it to my email list. I'd said, I'm launching something on stories. And I then put a lot of time and energy into my stories for the the week of Black Friday. And the sales came that way with, and people just essentially clicking the link and buying without a, a longer process. When it comes to your bespoke fee proposal, for so a project where you've gone to site, you've created a fee proposal that is completely bespoke for that project, then I would say, you know, we want to be talking about the the region in which you're likely to be pricing this well before they receive it. So that is part of that 
demonstrating your expertise and building that trust is demonstrating your ability to talk to them about the likely budgets that, that is going to be required for their project, the likely level of fees for your input for this kind of work. You want to be having that conversation as you're going through. You may even want to give them a heads up on the actual number before you send across the fee proposal. So, or at least a, a range or a good idea of it's going to be coming in at around this and, and you're going to have it by the end of today, just to let you know. So that can work really well. But when that goes over, again, it absolutely goes with TNCs because a client doesn't know if they're prepared to go ahead with anything without seeing your TNCs. Some clients may not read all of the small print, they should, but you have to give them the, the opportunity to do so because you can't expect someone to come back and either click that link and pay or sign your letter of agreement or sign your contract if you haven't provided that documentation. It also just provides a level of professionalism, which is we are super clear on the terms of business in which we, we operate. So always, always TNCs, have them worked out, have them ready to attach, whether it's to the e-sign service that you're using for a bespoke fee proposal or whether it's a checkout link for a smaller service, but having those systems set up and making it super easy for your client to take that next step is really important. But I would never ever suggest that you don't include the, the terms and conditions at the point you're asking the client to make a decision about whether they are going to commit to this. I think it it's, keeps you protected and it allows them to actually make an informed decision. Okay, let me, let me go to the next question, which is kind of similar, similar vibe about um, selling larger bespoke works and smaller services. So the question is, I totally get and agree with having a minimum fee for a whole house project. However, recently I've lost a couple of jobs by saying that I have a minimum fee when it could have been good to pick up a bit of extra work. I haven't got my light touch service mapped out yet, even though I plan to do this in the next quarter. So how should I answer queries that won't meet my minimum fee for a whole house project, but which might be helpful financially? Should I use an hourly rate? Okay, so I would say that this in-between stage where you're at, where you know you want to introduce another service, but you haven't done so yet, the opportunities and the inquiries that are coming are a really great way to map out and test the kinds of services that you might want to provide. So right now you've got your a minimum fee for a whole house project, which is great. Are these inquiries that are coming in, are they for not a whole house, but they're still an end-to-end -end service? So for example, you're still doing concept right through until completion. That's still a, a pretty full-on bespoke service. So you may, st it's still going to be a bespoke fee, but you could adjust it down because it's not an entire house, okay? Or the inquiries that you're receiving going to be on a particular aspect of your service. So for example, somebody only wants the concept or they only want a furniture plan or they just want the paint colors working out. We can look at these inquiries and we can use them to understand what 
the clients who are coming to us really want and need and to consider what feels exciting to us as a new lighter touch service offer. So look at the inquiries that you've received and think, is this something I would would love to do? And what kind of a service is this? Is it a smaller but still full, fully involved end-to-end bespoke service or is it a smaller slice of problem solving that just takes one part of a project and solves that that I could potentially offer as a fixed fee, as a standardised consultation, for example, or as I, you said, that lighter touch furniture planning, spatial planning, colours planning service. It's really worth looking at using this information that you're getting and looking at this strategically and thinking, how can I turn this into a service that I can I can sell more than simply to this one person who has inquired? It will come as zero surprise <laughs> to you to say, to hear me saying, hourly rates do not work, I do not believe, for you or for the clients, for all the reasons I've given you inside Align for Growth about why not to price using hourly rates, they don't work. Go back to module two if you want to re-go over any of that again, but I really, really encourage you, whatever the service is that you're offering, that you are going in with a fixed fee. So, and to do this, it's about what feels good for the service. You're capturing the value you're going to deliver to the client and you're not going to do anything for less than you feel good about. I really encourage you to go forward in expanding that service so that you're not always doing this reinventing the wheel piece. You're not coming up with a completely new service for every single inquiry that comes when it could be something that is standardized or that you at least have worked out like you have for your whole house you know the minimum and then it's simply well what is this where does this project stand against that if it's for a much smaller version of a fully bespoke project but it's just a a room or two then what is the minimum for that so you want to do the thinking in advance but it's essentially about capturing the value that the client is is going to receive and coming into that price that feels really good for you. And in the charge, we go much further into the money mindset work that walks you through how to land on the pricing that feels great for you and is profitable for your business with a service that is extremely valuable to the client so they are more than happy to pay your price. And this is It is about pricing, but it's also about that ability to convey that certainty that you are absolutely going to deliver value to them, that you are by far the best choice for them, for their project, for what they want to achieve. So as you will all have heard me talk about before, it is very much this combination of the strategy and the mindset of understanding your pricing based on your numbers but also really projecting that certainty and that confidence around your pricing. People will make decisions on price, for sure. There is um, there's some survey, there's evidence. It's something like 20% of the population. It's something like that. So it's definitely low. It's definitely below 30. I'm going to say 20 are genuinely price 
sensitive. And what that means is they will always, always seek the cheapest thing, no matter what. But on the flip side, 70 to 80% of people are value sensitive. So what that means is they are prepared to pay more if they see the value in doing so. So if your clients have an iPhone, if they drive a nice car, if they buy nice wine or nice coffee, if they wear designer clothes, that is all proof that they're prepared to pay more when they can see the value in doing so. It is possible to buy a perfectly functional car less expensively. Microsoft, Samsung, there are loads of alternatives to Apple that may not be as expensive. So if you are talking to people who have any of these indicators that they are prepared to pay more, then it's now your job to align your pricing and your money mindset with who they really are. They are value buyers, they're not price buyers. And that is the work we do a lot inside the charge. So good luck in mapping out that service. I'm excited to hear how that comes. I really encourage you to do that because I think it will be really valuable to you and your business. But in the meantime, steer clear of the hourly rates. It's not helpful to clients. It's not helpful to you. You can practice pricing a new service on a fixed fee basis and see how that feels. See how that would feel if you were to deliver that service again and turn it into part of your service suite. How does that price feel? Just just practice playing around with what you, you land on just now. Okay, I have one last question to answer and this is a really interesting one that I feel like everybody's going to take something from. So I'm excited to, to get into it. So the question is, I'm currently, I'm finding that everyone has an opinion on what I should be doing to grow my business and get work. And all of this noise, all of this opinion is making me feel like I'm not doing enough or I'm doing the wrong thing. It's hard to keep the noise out. So what strategies would you recommend to keep my focus and not let what others think I should be doing creep in? So it is very easy to look at this and to say, well, if you didn't ask for the advice, then that is unsolicited advice and it's not particularly helpful and they're sticking their nose in or pushing their oar in or trying to to offer advice slash criticism or or whatever it is when it's not asked for. And so they they are the problem. And it's very easy to to think this and to say this, but I really want you to to consider this. The thing that triggers you teaches you. If we think, well, they're just interfering, that is one way of looking at it, and it may be correct. But what is the fact that you're triggered by the opinions and the noise? It's making you feel something uncomfortable. What does this say about you? Because people will push your buttons, whether they mean to or not. So a really interesting question for you to be asking is, why is that button there in the first place? We, If we lean into what is triggering us and we really explore it and ask that question, 
why am I feeling triggered by this? We're going to come up with a far more useful answer than if we just either get cross <laughs> about the well-meaning but um, unsolicited advice or come up with a strategy to deflect. And I can absolutely give you that. But I, that's the first place I want you to start is really just thinking what triggers you teaches you. So what can you learn here? The second thing I want to say is when you take things personally, when you choose to feel that you're not doing enough or you're doing the wrong thing, you've, you've taken something personally, you are making the decision to pick up something that nobody has asked you to carry and you get to choose differently. You get to just put it down and think, I don't need to be carrying this. This is not this is not mine. I don't have to carry this heaviness and this worry and this panicky feeling around with me. I can just decide that that's not something that I I want to be carrying right now. Put it down. And the other thing I want you to think about is is about the embodiment part and what I mean by this is when we are in the early stages of business doesn't matter how long we've been going for, but when we're in these early stages of business or when we're in a point of business, which this year has been a huge point of business and a teacher for many, many people that what goes up comes down and it's not always going to be fast flowing, people can't get enough of you, here's the money, here's the money, here's the money. There are going to be times in business you're going to have to work harder to bring money into your business. You're going to have to put more energy and effort into selling, into marketing. It's going to be a harder time in business than other times. And we want to be really cognizant of this, but we really want to embody the vision that we have for ourselves, which is that founder and leader of an incredibly successful, thriving, creative business. How is that person showing up? You know, I don't imagine that anyone goes up to Kelly Wurstler and says, oh, hey, Kelly, did you um, think about starting an email list? Or, hey, Kelly, if you want to get some more work, you should come across more approachable. The way that Kelly Wurstler conducts herself and holds herself is pure power, pure power, pure confidence. Do I know the ins and outs of her business? Nope, absolutely no idea. Do I know she's worked hard to get where she has? A hundred percent. You don't get to be Kelly Wurstler without a huge amount of grit and determination and building that resilience and that personal power that allows you to keep showing up even when business is going to ebb and flow. We have been in an ebb. It's going to come back. You know, that's a very normal cycle of the economy. Things go up, things go down. That is absolutely how the world works and how economies move. But we need to think about who we are being through all of those moments, how we are showing up, the confidence and the certainty that we are projecting. And the place where you get that certainty is inside yourself. So I recommend that you go back to module six in Aligned for Growth and revisit that place where we talked about setting goals and being really clear on your rocks. So the things that you need to focus on, because when you're crystal clear 
on what your business needs right now and you're actively looking at data to inform your decisions, you're charting a course towards your goals. It's much less easy to be pulled off course by either somebody else's opinion or somebody else's advice or reading a news story that flips you out and you start wobbling and thinking, interest rates are going up and nobody's going to be spending money and what does this mean for my business? If you're always asking, what does my business need right now? It needs visibility or it needs cash or it needs to work on our systems because we don't have the capacity or the structure to actually hold any more clients or any more money, even if we did want to. If you ask yourself these questions, simple questions, what does my business really need right now? And really trust yourself on the answer and then set your priorities based on that. You're going to be so much stronger in in sticking to what you're doing and holding your focus and keeping to your plan. And, you know, let me just give you a couple of practical strategies around this. If it's a close relationship, if the person who is you know, giving their opinions on what you should be doing to grow your business and get work, and you do want to respond to that, well, I, I really like an honest approach. And you can use present tense for this. So you could say something like, oh, I can feel myself getting defensive or, oh, hearing you telling me what I need to be doing to grow my business, I can actually really feel myself getting panicky that I'm not doing enough. What you're doing here is taking back control by stating how you are feeling. You don't need to justify what you're doing. They're not your ideal client. They're not your business consultant, they're not, you know, they're, I'm assuming they are unlikely to be somebody who's ever walked in your shoes, has ever grown an interior design business. So they don't know, unless they literally have walked in your shoes, they do not know what's best for you. But you can just take back control by stating how you're feeling. If you don't want to respond, and you think, you know, mind your own business, this is flipping me out and I don't need this or I don't want this, just let silence fill the space. You can just say, hmm, and you just allow their words to fall. You're not responding. Use your breath. Just keep breathing in, breathing out. That keeps you very in control, keeps your nervous system super calm. And then you can just take the conversation in another direction. You're taking back your power. But wrapping all of this up, Start with you. Come back to what is it about this that is making me feel triggered and sit with that question. And then the more strategic part, what does your business need right now? What are the things to be focused on? Because when you know that, what somebody else thinks you should be doing is completely irrelevant. And then the third thing is, how can you be showing up in a way? How can you be embodying the energy of somebody who doesn't get unsolicited advice because everything about you is communicating, I am so clear on what I'm doing. I'm so certain about who I'm here to serve, the way I serve them, the direction in which my business is going. I know what I'm here to do. Okay, that was... An incredibly joyful experience answering such brilliant questions. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. 
I love getting your questions. I love getting your feedback. I love knowing what has helped you, what has resonated. You can always hit reply to any of the emails. You can send me a DM on Instagram at any time. I genuinely love hearing from you what is working, what you're taking from these episodes. Let me know. And in the meantime, I will really look forward to your next excellent questions and to supporting and serving you next month. Take care.